Wonderful. Well, it's great to see everybody. Is anybody uh, suffering through a samosa coma yet? No, come on. I actually think that's the last one in the building. So if if I turn and there's a big fight and then that thing is gone, I'm not naming names. I'm not asking questions. (laughs) It happens all the time. I do make the babies cry. That's why you're here, to learn from the best. All right, so um, somebody want to just pray for us as we are going to spend some time together? Anybody want to lead out? Any of the leaders want to lead into prayer? Just leading, leading? Let's get some leading leadership. Leader. Here we go. Oh, hands up first. Yeah? No? Okay. Yes, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we need you. Open our ears to hear. Lord, soften our hearts. Father God, we pray that you would be our leader. We would receive everything you have for us. And we would follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I told the other group, and I'll tell you as well, I'm supremely disappointed already. I thought with a breakout session title like Fighting for Fellowship, I'd get maybe three three people sign up for it, and we would just go to Starbucks and just... <laughs> just fellowship. You can't, I don't even know if you can have fellowship without coffee. I don't think it's physically possible. Uh, whatever. So I'm just kidding. I'm really glad that you're here. And, um, you know, this is the last session of the day, so there aren't going to be tons of forced notes. There's not going to be tons of deep information to process. I, I just want to tell some stories, uh, share a few scriptures, my experience of God uh, changing my life through them. And, um, you know, if anybody wants to interject and ask a question or say something, I think we can be fairly free to do that. Yes, tell us something so profound it will change our life. Go. Okay, no. Okay, well, next, next year, next year. All right, so the topic is fighting for fellowship. And this is really funny. I'm depending on the Lord. I, I told my wife a couple weeks ago, she said, oh, are you speaking at, at the weekend? Yeah, yeah, I am. Well, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm going to talk about fighting for fellowship. And her exact words were, you are going to talk about that? I mean, I'm sure God will help you. Those are the exact <laughs> words of it. And so, there you go. That's my... And we're still married, so that's my qualifications, is that we made it through that, that response. No, she's wonderful. In fact, she is my, my uh, hero of fighting for fellowship. She's just the best person I know at um, making sure that relationships are genuinely working well together. And so that's been a big blessing for me. Because my family background, yours might be like mine, is that um, when something bad happened, Everybody went somewhere else to turn on a television, and then you came back for dinner and pretended like nothing had happened yet. And so I was coming from a completely different background. Hey, Dane, could you just go outside and look at the other side of the door for the next 40 minutes or so? <laughs> Somebody's got to fight for it. Everybody else, everybody else gets fellowship for free. No problem, no problem. But Dane's going to have to fight for it. <laughs> Actually, you own a lot of guns, don't you? <laughs> I'm going to change it up. Anybody? Uh, any, any Mennonite pacifists here? <laughs> so I just I want to give us a definition of fellowship. I think we can understand the fighting part. But 
a, a working definition of fellowship, just something along the lines of uh, fellowship is enjoying your relationship with people while you're working in the same direction. Okay, that's the, the double side there. Enjoying your relationship. Having a joyful relationship with people while you're working with them, pulling in the same direction. And we can see these kinds of um, things from Scripture. The Greek word for fellowship that is usually translated fellowship is koinonia. It means to have things in common. It's the word, like, if you've ever heard biblical Greek, it's called koine Greek, and that just means common Greek. It's the Greek that the people on the street spoke. So it's very similar to our word common that we would use. And uh, sometimes uh, people say it's having things in common. But that kind of having things in common means living together. And the good fellowship means you're enjoying living together. And where fellowship is gone, it means that you may still be in proximity, but the sweetness is gone, the joy is gone, the life is, is, is gone. In 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 9, the Apostle Paul says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so scripture calls, describes salvation as moving from being out of fellowship with God into being in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And it's like salvation is coming into a relationship you never want to get out of ever again. This fellowship with Jesus, you come into a relationship with him that you never ever want to get out of because it's wonderful. It's based on love. It's based on joy. When Jesus enters the room, things get better, not worse. You know what I mean? So this is the one side that we're, you're enjoying being together. That's fellowship. But there's also this added sense of being on the same team or pulling in the same direction that you can see from Scripture. So you might remember the Apostle Paul got saved and originally the church didn't know what to do with him because he had just been killing them. And so he was kind of on his own for a little bit. But he'd gotten these revelations from Jesus Christ about the cross and the gospel and God's mission through Jesus in the world. And so after a certain amount of time, he goes to the apostles in Jerusalem to lay out his gospel before them and just to kind of confirm that they're all on the same page with the gospel and what they're doing. And in Galatians 2.9, it says this, And when James and Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars of the church, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. Ning, 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 ning. To Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. And so this right hand of fellowship in Scripture means that they were acknowledging that Paul was on the same team and that they were working together for the Lord. Even though they were going to be in different areas, one to the Gentiles, a bunch of other people to the Jewish people, they're on the same team. And that's what the right hand of fellowship means. We're working together. We're not competing. We're not against each other. Neither neither one of us is heretics. And so here's that other sense of fellowship. The one side is like, yeah, we're brought into an awesome relationship you just want to be in because there's joy and love. And on the other hand, we're working together. We're pulling in the same direction. We're, we're on the same team. And so you can think of your own relationships in life, and there's times where the fellowship's been really sweet in a marriage or in a church where you're just really happy to see each other. When you're saying, it's nice to see you, you can actually look in each other's eyes while you say that. It's not kind of like, hey, great to see you, because it's not great to see them. That never happens at Calvary Chapel. I heard it happens in Winnipeg, but maybe you can confirm that. Um, There's that sweetness, and because there's a sweetness, you're able to actually work together more fruitfully. 
because you have each other's backs, you're on each other's sides. The work that you're doing isn't like, well, I don't I get stuck with all this work. No, you're, you're on the same team because you're in fellowship. And so this is what we're talking about, fighting for that kind of fellowship in our relationship, in our churches, even in our workplaces, because most people want to go to a job where they are happy to be there because their relationships are at least okay, but it'd be better if they were great. And even more and more so, I think in our culture, people are not wanting to stay places where it's just, there's not fellowship. Amen? So, let's, let's go to story time for a little bit. The, the, this call to fight for fellowship has been impressed upon me by the Lord that this is something I really need to work on and need to lead into by a couple of experiences that we've had that I've had in the last few months. And the first was while we went on our family vacation to BC this last summer. So we went to go visit my mom, which is great. She lives in BC, which is kind of like the best place in the world compared to Manitoba winters. And um, she has a big pool and a big house, and so we can all fit in there, and you can hardly tell. And I made this mistake. I made this terrible, terrible mistake. And the mistake was I decided to read a book about marriage. On vacation, don't do it. (laughs) Vacation is supposed to be about having fun and relaxing and feeling good while you eat too much food. And this book ruined it for me completely. And what it did was it presented to married people this idea that, that both of you are called to fight for fellowship, to stay in fellowship together. And the scripture that he used is on your worksheet here. It's Galatians 6.1 6, as a foundational verse for how to maintain fellowship, regain fellowship, fight for fellowship in your marriage, which is probably one of our relationships, if you're in one, where it's hardest to actually maintain that sweetness over time in many ways. So, does anybody want to read Galatians 6.1 for us? Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. All right. So this is a very simple verse. It's short and it's memorizable. And what we can see in this verse is three things. I'm going to go back to this. No, I'll try this. I love whiteboards. They're just like a smartphone but a bit more permanent, which is a great thing. So it's talking to church, but it's acknowledging in church there's problems. and calls them transgressions. They're sins against the Lord or maybe just sins against fellowship, stuff like that. So there's a problem, right? Oh, there's a problem. You failed me. I don't need to stay in fellowship with an expo marker. That's not my purview. Okay, so let's just say there's a problem. You've read about these things, you've watched them on YouTube, you don't experience them yourselves, but they're out there, and so you're going to get equipped to deal with them if they ever come crashing through your door someday, but probably won't. Churches have problems, Christians have problems, relational problems. And he says that if anyone is caught in a transgression, so somebody's stuck in a problem, somebody's creating problems, somebody's just, they don't see it. You who are spiritual are supposed to restore... And then in a spirit of gentleness, okay? 
Make sense? And for most of us, we tend to fall off the fence or fail on one of these two aspects of dealing with a relational problem and fighting for fellowship. Either we don't aim to restore the situation by ignoring it or just saying, maybe it's not there, maybe it'll go away, we just don't want to deal with it. Or we're quite inclined to to deal with it, but nobody can find any gentleness in how it works out. Clear? When there's a relational problem that is impacting fellowship, typically people fail in either not trying to bring restoration, ignoring or leaving or running or poisoning something, you know, one of those two things. Or they are happy to talk about what's going on and express themselves, but nobody can find the Holy Spirit moving through gentleness in what goes on. And so I was reading this book and I felt like God said to me, Rob, in your marriage, you don't do either of these things. You've managed to fall off of the fence on both sides, which is very painful. You can Google a video about that. That was a joke. I don't know if there's actually a video about that. but yeah, <laughs> Not me personally. So I felt like God said to me, Rob, you usually, when you have a problem in the relationship because of what something's done, and maybe it's a valid complaint, you usually um, run away from actually trying to bring restoration to it. And by the time you actually get around to talking about it, it's uh, Hawaii of this last year. It's just lava and uh, rock balls flying through the air. There's no gentleness. There's no gentleness. And so the big call of this book, which I agree with, is um, as Christians, we actually aren't qualified to try to... We're called to help people but we're not qualified to unless we want to see restoration, not just take a piece of somebody's hide off of them to make ourselves feel better. Like this is the qualification. You have to want to help people and bring restoration for, for relationship, and it has to be motivated by the Holy Spirit's fruit of gentleness, or you just call your mentor. That is, that is the qualification for, for trying to deal with a problem. But you can't back out and just say, well, I'm not qualified. I'm not going to deal with it. Netflix binge. Every episode of Star Trek. Go. So that was the first story. And so I talked to Jackie about it and repented. And it threw her world a little bit upside down because all of a sudden I was trying to start doing this, restoring stuff. And she's like, you're talking about stuff. I don't know what to do with you. Are you actually your own twin brother? Because my twin brother was living with my mom at the time. And so that must have been kind of weird. Like if I start behaving different and there's literally an evil twin living in the building at the same time. (laughs) One of us was evil. Um, I'm not going to say which. Second story. So at Calvary Chapel, we have for years had this sharing time as part of our time together. People share prophetic words or dreams or a scripture. And as the leadership, we felt like God really wanted us to work on this thing. No problem. We love guys. Little guys, yeah. Um, We felt like God was just calling us to deal with it because very often it would go sideways, it seemed like. Or you, people would be sharing, and I'd just be like, what? Lord, is this you? And so we actually really value this time and time for people to share what God's saying or doing in their lives. 
And so we felt like God told us to bring that ministry into the shop for a retooling. You know, take the muffler off and change the oil and just take the whole engine out and put in like a heavy, you know, the whole thing. And, um, and as I was talking with people in the church about it and even working through my own heart about what I felt like God was calling us to do, he led me to really be meditating on Matthew chapter 5 and Jesus is teaching about anger and so I've got the shortened version here but can somebody read Matthew chapter 5 if you have your Bibles open starting in verse 21 all the way through that section until the end of verse 26 nice and loud is anybody up for doing that the answer is yes somebody is going to be up for doing that I'm just wondering who it is 21 to 26 Wonderful. Thank you very much. So we've got this teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, the very words of Christ, who is our God and our Lord. And it starts off with a call to take anger very seriously with a warning about the hell of fire. Okay, I think that's how it's translated sometimes. The hell of fire, the hell fire. So one of the principles, I'm sorry for laughing, I just kill myself about this stuff and... uh, one of the principles I'm just sharing with the church is, you know, whenever Jesus is warning about what will send you to hell, that's a good time to pay attention. You know, you can ignore some things about Scripture, like the first nine verses or chapters of uh, Chronicles, where it's just like the genealogies. That takes a lot of work to understand what's going on there. So if you just read past that, I'm okay with that. But when you get to a passage where Jesus is like, if you live like this, you are in danger of hellfire, that's a good time to just stop, pull out your pencil, and start underlining Amen? Because he is talking to his disciples there. If you live like this, you're in danger of the fires of hell. I'm sorry for laughing. It's just like, Jesus, what? You you love people. (laughs) And then this passage ends with this threat to be stuck in prison. Right? Right? Settle matters with your accusers or else someone's going to come and grab you and throw you into jail. And it's talking about having outstanding debts, right? And uh, in olden times when you had outstanding debts, they would often imprison you so that you stopped making more debts and you were in there until someone would pay off your debts. doesn't totally make sense. Like, how are you supposed to make the money to pay off the debts? But, you know, in our culture, when you just have so much debt you don't know what to do with, you just hire a lawyer to make it all go away and then get on with your life. So I don't know which one's better. Um, But this is the warning. Okay, so on the one side, you have the hell of fire warning. And on the other side, you have the you're not getting out of prison warning. Clear so far? And in the middle, 
you have this story about a person who wants to come and bring a sacrifice to God at his temple. Could be a sheep or a goat. Maybe they've had a really good year and they can actually offer an oxen because they're quite wealthy. And they want to come and offer what they have been blessed by God with to the Lord for worship. And on their way, they have a thought. Oh man, my wife's probably still mad at me about what I said to her. What do you do? Oh man, my husband, he's probably, he did not look happy when we got into, got out of the vehicle. I mean, he was driving terribly, but he didn't look happy when I told him that. I'm trying to build restoration here. You have somebody who has, is out of fellowship with somebody. That's exact, that's what's going on. You have a worshiper that is out of fellowship, coming to God's presence. And what does Jesus tell this person to do? Yeah. Stop and fix it. And so for me, you know, I'm telling this story about what we've been working on with our prophetic ministry. And just, I'm trying to really internalize and even share with the church, our God actually does not want my prophecy or my sermon or my meeting leading or my children's ministry work or my outreach or my food bank or my blog. He does not want it when I'm out of fellowship with one of his children. He's just like, I don't want it. I don't want it, Rob. I don't want it. And so we're trying to share with the church, like our relationships with each other are way more important than what we do on Sunday. And when we come up, we, we need to actually be working on this. Okay, is my wife going to be okay if I'm up there sharing, not thinking, hypocrite, you know, you're going to speak on fellowship? You know, that's a bad sign. That's a bad sign. I, you know, we're okay right now. We talked it through, and she knows I'm on the right path. But if I was just like, you're a jerk, and I shouldn't be here. Right? It's just, it's, this is so profound for me. Jesus does not want my sacrifices for him until after I'm back in fellowship. And this is, if you don't walk away with anything else, this, this will change your life, and this will change your, 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 your family, Lord willing, and this is His, this is his value. I, I don't want your service if you're out of fellowship with your people. That's official pastor speak for, this is important. It's like the sound of squishing a frog so that their intestines come out their mouth. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, that one's for free. So yeah, so as we're, as we're bringing this back, this is going to be the main thing. Like God wants us to minister out of love for the people in front of us. And we need to be asking, you know, before our communion, before this stuff, before I get up there, ask Holy Spirit, do you have a relationship I need to help with? Do I, do I need to work on? Um, it's a big deal your fellowship with your kids this is just becoming so much more important to us are we in fellowship with the kids Do they, are they happy to see us are they sharing with us how they're going am I happy to see them you know, I'm thinking to the Lord like, I'm trying to go through this practice of forgiving my kids each night before they go to bed I don't know Sometimes, you know, it just builds up, right? And you just like, you sit down. these are great kids. I totally forgive them. They weren't listening, but that's fine. I love them. I want to be in fellowship with them. 
people at church, it, it's, it's really easy to want to be polite. And sometimes you want to be a great follower. And so you don't deal with something. And then all of a sudden you don't want to be... A, it's not even that you don't want to be a great follower. You just don't want to be a follower. And then you don't want to be there. And then you're not there. And it all went back to not fighting for fellowship. Or you are a leader... And someone's trying to talk to you, but you don't want to listen. Because they're dumb. <laughs> right? And we know what's going on. They're dumb. So, you know, you just say, ah, but you're thinking about something else. And then all of a sudden, it feels like the Holy Spirit hasn't been to your church in a month. Why? Well, he's, he's back in the street with your ox. You're trying to do something at the temple before the altar, but he's back where he told you to deal with it. Right? Amen? So my heart for this ministry, for our ministry, is like, I just am so convinced that if, if we will do that work of relationship, the Holy Spirit knows how to make a meeting time powerful. It's just not always easy for Him to find people who love each other to work with. Right? Is this just me? And then if you're in charge of the big show, you know, you're part of the Sunday morning, the big show, you can make the big show happen without the Lord's help sometimes. Ah, did I say it out loud? Just don't start throwing stuff. You can make the big show happen without the Lord sometimes, but then eventually He makes He lets you know. And so I'm just I'm just so convinced that if we'll fight for fellowship and love each other well, that He knows how to make it sweet and powerful when He comes. And so that we want that really bad. So uh, I think I still have your time for about ten minutes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share th- two stories. Because everybody loves stories. And one of them just makes me look like an idiot. So you'll love it. You'll just it'll be so good. And you'll be sharing it with all your friends on Facebook. And one of them makes me look okay. And it's the only time it's ever happened in my life. And so that's why I have to share it. Um, so fighting for fellowship. So Jackie and I, we're, we're getting this. And it's been really helpful for our marriage. Because um, we're, I think God's helping us get out of my marriage is as good as I feel like my spouse is treating me. Two, we're both responsible for being in fellowship. That's the goal, that we're in fellowship together, and we both have to contribute towards this, and we both can call each other on it. It feels like we're not in fellowship. Do we need to talk? Not so much, what's your problem? <laughs> it changes the dynamic. What's your problem? Two, it doesn't feel like we're in fellowship. It doesn't feel like we have the sweetness. We're not looking each other in the eye. The hugs feel a little bit perfunctory. Whatever. We want to be in fellowship. And so we had this really great fight the other day, one of our biggest fights ever. It was awesome. <laughs> and it was mostly my fault I will admit that like 50.00001% and so we, we adopted a little guy named Timmy he's famous on fa- Facebook and, but he's made life really busy we're back in diaper stage and he just needs he has this like he's got Down syndrome and I think part of that 23rd chromosome or 21st chromosome 3rd chromosome is that you have like this 6 sense for when no one's watching you and for what they don't want you to do when you can't see them and so he's just he needs constant supervision and so she wants to get the house cleaned up because that hasn't happened in the last three months it stayed dirty it survived dirty so this long why is it important to clean it up now and um she's trying to get the kids to clean up and i'm supposed to be just taking care of timmy and i'm kind of just sitting there i don't always know what to do with him and so um, I love him, and we have some stuff to do, but I don't always know what to do with a three-year-old. And so she came upstairs and she said, you don't look like you're having fun. I was just like, honestly, I, I don't know if I enjoy playing with toddlers. 
And uh, this mushroom cloud went off in our living room that you could see from space. (laughs) Children are going to be born with like third arms and 15 eyes for the next couple of years in Steinbeck because of it. But it just, it it went off right there. And uh, lesson learned, probably don't say stuff like that, dudes. You can learn from my mistake. You can spin that a little bit more palatably sometime. And so we just had this big fight. And... I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Sometimes the fights get so out of control that you, you kind of can have an out-of-body experience. And like, if I was watching on TV people having this fight, I would just be laughing because it's just lost all connection with reality. And so I, I was experiencing that, experiencing that a little bit. But it, it, went, it went to the point where we were just both standing in the hallway going, you're just totally selfish. No, you're totally selfish. No, you're totally selfish. No, you're totally selfish. And that was the point where I was like, this is hilarious. But I'm so really angry. And... Um, <laughs> So it stopped, the fight stopped, and we both went to our corners, uh, for me, which is the kitchen, because there's always a pot to clean, and you can just... <laughs> and I was sitting there, and, and be, because of what we're going through, um, I really wanted to, to get back in fellowship and not just be offended, which was my regular MO, just be offended and break fellowship. And I was just like, God, I don't even know what to do. Like, bleh. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just said to me, Rob, you can be really selfish. Which sounded a lot like what my wife said. Would you agree, you know? And so I just said, Han, I, you know what? You're absolutely right. I can be totally selfish. And all of a sudden, she's just in love with me like never before. Like, you admitted something that's true. I follow you and just hugs and kisses. And, and we were back in fellowship right away. Just admitting that. And, and God's been actually really ministering to me out of that. Like, it's like, I actually can be really selfish. Like, all the time. God, help me out with that. And it's been really good. So there's one story. It's just in our marriage, just thinking. We're, co- we're both called to fight for fellowship. And we have to ask the question, are we in fellowship? It doesn't feel like we're in fellowship. And talk about it right away. As soon as it feels like the, the, it's sunny outside, but the ice is in the house. You know, it's supposed to be the other way around. Warm inside with the ice outside. When that's reversed, are we in fellowship? Is there something we need to talk about? And it's, it's a way better way than, what's wrong with you? You know, that, <laughs> it's a long list, where do you want to start? You know, uh, it can go like that. So that's a, one story that's been really helpful. Another example I can remember, even just from my life, this is before I was working on this stuff, but just from the workplace, this is you, maybe, from the workplace. Um, I was working at BioVale, which turned into Valiant, which, when I was working there, became Canada's most valuable company when I was working there. (laughs) And then a couple years after I left, it totally crashed. (laughs) Just like a Joseph thing, you know, just a favor of God. I don't know. know. We'll find out in heaven. Um, but I was working on a smaller team within this big company, and we saw each other all the time, every day. And there was one guy working there, and, you know, I wanted to like everybody as much as the next guy. There's one guy working in there, and we ended up not getting along for a bit. And what had happened was there was this leadership course they were offering, and I applied for it, and for some reason I got into it. I think afterwards they realized they made a mistake, but it was too late. And... Um, so I was in this leadership course, and then the next year, he tried to get into it. And I think he may have thought, if Rob can get into this thing, then it should be no problem for me to get into it, right? Because you know me. And um, 
But he didn't get into it. He didn't get into the leadership course. And so all of a sudden, things were a little bit... And I'd be hearing like little jabs and little stabs and little things. And, and just kind of knowing, you know, he's friends with everybody else more than I am. So if he is already like within my hearing being like that, then what's going on when I'm not around? And so after a while, just praying, you know, it was coffee break. And I just said, hey, can I have coffee with you? And we sat down and she said, can, I just want to make sure we're in the clear. Are we good? Aiming for restoration. Are, are we good? I want to make sure we're in the clear. And I think he knew right away what was going on. And he's just like, yeah, we're okay. Yeah, yeah, we're okay. That was his response. Yeah, we're okay. And then sometime later he said, yeah, you know what, I, was, I had some issues there, but we're good. And then years later he had left and I ran into him in town. I was like, oh, great to see you, man. I'd love to have a coffee sometime. Like, give me your cell phone, your Facebook or whatever. And even I think it was a year after that that we finally had coffee at Tim Hortons. And I just said, I just want to make sure we're okay. And he said, I don't even know why you're asking me. Like, I was the problem. That's what he's telling me. It's like, okay, good, that's fine. Just wanted to let you know that we're good from my end. And uh, we talked a little about church stuff. Not much happened, but it just made me realize, like my time in a factory just made me realize for most people working in factories, working at jobs, they really want fellowship. And they're willing to leave to get it. And you can't pay people enough to just feel like they're taking cow grass that they've digested all day long. Amen? And we're called to fight for fellowship everywhere. Everywhere. And to realize this is about the Lord and I have a calling to be part of the solution with restoration and the spirit of gentleness because I don't want to go to the fire of hell or be stuck in prison but actually say the showy ministry stuff comes after doing my best to fix this. Why don't we just take a minute if you're here with somebody or sitting beside somebody that you're here with why don't you just ask do two things. Number one, turn to them and say, this is the stuff to do part on here. Just admit, where do you tend to fall off the fence? Is it the avoidance stuff? Or is it the uh, path of lava wrath coming out of your mouth stuff? Where do you tend to fall off the fence on Galatians 6.1? And then ask the other person their opinion if they know you.